Thank you for joining us for this new Future of IT podcast. As a key enabling technology to the Internet of Everything, the Internet of Things is connecting new places and objects such as manufacturing floors, energy grids, wearable devices, and more to the Internet at an unprecedented pace. As Mock Nation expects IoT to be over a $4 trillion industry by 2024, how will IoT trends shape the development of the Internet of Everything? How can organizations prepare? In this session, we'll answer those questions and explore how today's proliferation of connected devices and sensors will bring organizations closer to realizing the value of the Internet of Everything. We'll also touch on how security needs to be addressed in order to thwart threats. I'm your host, Lisa Lottie, and joining me is Jim Grubb, Vice President of Emerging Technologies at Cisco. Hi, Jim. Good morning. Glad you're here. I'm also pleased to have with us Steve Hilton, co-founder and managing director at Mock Nation. Thanks for being here, Steve. Thanks, Lisa. It's great to be here. Let's get started. So, Steve, how do you define the Internet of Things and the Internet of Everything, and how are they related? Uh, Good questions, Lisa. Um, Mock Nation defines the Internet of Things as the connecting of endpoint devices, often sensors, gateways, modules, or other types of devices, that generate usable data primarily for device tracking, monitoring, or sometimes even controlling, controlling an asset purposes. The Internet of Everything for us is a much broader concept. Internet of Everything is the evolution of technology and business strategies and the ways that humans engage with technology that reinvents how organizations deliver value. I guess what I would say and what I tell people is that that the Internet of Things is a key component of the Internet of Everything, along with a series of other technologies, things like security and software-defined networks, UC analytics, um, application-aware networks, database federation, and some other things as well. So it's a, it's a really critical component of it. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I think uh, you know there's a there's an application that I've been using from Garmin that makes the GPS watch that includes sensors that you wear on your body, but that also then take the, all of that data and allow you to upload it um, to the Garmin cloud, where you can then plot it and review what you've done. But Interestingly, that Garmin Cloud also allows you to review other people's data. So you can do things like create a heat map of the places where people most commonly exercise. And, uh, you know, a business could use that data, for example, to figure out where to give out samples of sports drinks. And that application is enabled through the sensors, the things, along with mobility that you've got a high-speed backhaul that you carry in your pocket in the form of a smartphone, along with cloud technology, which uh, is where you upload it, along with social technology, where you're sharing that data with your friends to compete on how many steps you took this week or versus another. And it's because of the combination of those things that we're able to really do the Internet of everything. And I think the other thing that you said, uh, Steve, is that this, this one half of this is about the sensing, but the other half is about actuating. So sensing the soil is dry and then turning a valve automatically machine to machine to water the plants or the wine grapes or, or whatever it is. You know, I, I think that's, that's right, Jim. You brought up some really interesting things. I mean, that, the, a Garmin device that simply does tracking, for me, that is an example of an Internet of Things solution and a really good one. As you layer on more of the apps that you described, 
that involve sharing of data. So there's a social networking aspect to it. There may even be a healthcare aspect to it, sort of, you know, how much you move or your general health characteristics relative to a peer group. All of that for me is one of the indicators that a solution um, is evolving and is, is combining technologies, combining applications, um, moving into the Internet of Everything um, realm. So it's a really, really good example. And it's taking those those uh, applications and the data that's generated and then using it in a way that gives you competitive advantage is where it gets monetized. So if you take the example of the um, shippers, how they tell you where your package was every time it's scanned. As a matter of fact, I just saw uh, Google is doing something where you can even see your package moving down the street on a moving map, you know, on a map where you could, and you can actually see where your package is. The company that shows you where your package is has an advantage of the company that just keeps you in the dark and tells you it's going to show up sometime next week. And it's having that data that allows the company to create a new environment or a new uh, experience that differentiates themselves from any other company. You know, every, every company is becoming a digital company because as we live our lives more digitally, that becomes the place where you have great opportunity to differentiate yourself and your products and your services. Yeah. Haven't you found with a lot of these, these solutions, Jim, that, you know, um, a, a public or private sector organization, the first adoption of these kinds of solutions, the Internet of Things solution, is often set up, you know, to, to control costs. I mean, a good example might be a classic fleet management solution. You know, you're, you're um, a company, you have a large fleet, you implement fleet management primarily because you want to know where the trucks are, you want to minimize the use of labor or, uh, you know, efficiently allocate labor that's driving the trucks. You want to be efficient in how much gasoline is used for the trucks, right? So you implement a classic fleet solution. Um, but then it, it, it evolves into something something larger uh, than a fleet solution. Maybe, uh, maybe um, you, you elect to, to use um, like a UBI kind of solution, a use-based insurance solution, right? And that, that information is used uh, to provide information to an insurance company that can then, through the actuarial process, have a much better way of rating your drivers, right? And sure. that maybe turns into, right. Or, or how, about, how about, think about this, think about a, a package shipping company that has all this data because they're trying to make their fleet operations more efficient, but all of a sudden they realize they know what's happening with the world economy. Think if you're one of these large air freight companies and you know how much packages are insured for, where they're going from, where they're going to, and being able to take that, that data and see what's happening with world economies. Think of the value in that data that's generated you might even find that your business is more valuable because of the data that you're collecting about the the movement of commerce than it is where you get paid for the for the for the for the packages to be shipped. It's very possible I, that those things could happen. Yeah, I think it's true. I think these these solutions that start out as you know cost controlling solutions. I think companies realize that there's a way that they actually transform the business and, and are not just for cost savings anymore. They're actually ways that create innovation, create new service and revenue opportunities um, for business. I mean, I guess back to the insurance example, an insurance company that offers uses-based insurance, uh, they're doing that 
primarily for cost purposes. However, imagine at some point they decide that, you know what, a great thing we could offer uh, would also be uh, we provide then training and instruction to drivers of fleet vehicles to help them improve their driving. Right? We can, or what if, you built a, what if you built a model for insurance where you paid by the safety mile? And then in the same way, you know, I think about the, in many of the new cars, you can see based on how you're driving, how your gas mileage is. What if you had a gauge on the dashboard of your car that showed you how expensive your insurance was based on how you were driving, for example, and incented you to drive more safely? Another great, yeah. great example. And, you know, I know in, in talking with insurance companies, a lot of people don't think that an insurance is uh, a very exciting product. And I think, you know, insurance companies in particular are looking for ways to incorporate new kinds of services to offer to drivers like us, to offer to fleet drivers as well. Um, right. And it changes their business, right? changes them into a very services centric business, new products to offer. Steve, um, what what have you been seeing with sensor technology? Because I've been, you know, I've been looking at the sensor technology, and I've seen some new, interesting things. For example, sensors that don't require battery because they're powered by the flex of your shoe, or the heat from your body, or the motion of your body, and so they're they're getting smaller and smaller. And of course, because because of Moore's law, they're also. Be- um, becoming, you're getting more processing power out toward the edge for lower and lower costs. Right now, I think there's a Texas Instrument chip that has integrated Wi-Fi and a TCP/IP stack on it, and it's about 99 cents. I think as these as these sensors continue to get lower and lower costs, we're going to see them on more and more devices to the point that we will essentially measure anything that can be measured at some point. I'm just curious what you're seeing there. Oh, I, I am seeing it's, it's incredibly exciting, um, and the, the pace of technology change just just continues to increase. I think there's that aspect of what's going on with sensors. It's getting smaller. It's getting cheaper. The, the the power requirements are going down. I think the other piece that you just touched on that's equally important is that the 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 computing power at the edge is increasing. And I think it's fair to say I don't know if you agree with me or not, Jim, but we can do a lot of, you can take the data from all of these sensors, these, these millions and billions of sensors, bring it back to, to analytics packages back in the core and, and, and sort of crunch numbers and have to do things there. But there, there are other ways to intelligently use data and do some of the computing out at the edge or maybe even sort of between the edge um, and the core sort of in the fog layer, right, that, that, that drives additional efficiencies. Yeah, there there are many break fix, fix type applications where if you can see something that's going to break before it breaks, it costs you 10 or 100 times less to fix it um, pre- pre- predictively than it does if you wait to late to, until it actually breaks mm-hmm. before you fix it. Things like uh, windmills, uh, trains, you know, if you can run lo- local analytics on a train and sense that the bearings only have, uh, you know, 30 more hours on them before it's going to break, well, then you don't have to stop the entire train while you fix that. You can actually take a car offline ahead of time and, and, and let the train continue on and fix the car and then put it on the next train that comes by, for example. There are many applications where if you can do that processing out at the edge, it provides a lot of value. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think the fact that we are seeing this continued increase in the processing power 
in those sensors, the reduction in price, um, the reduction in power requirements, that, that leads to some real, really exciting things in the future. Yeah, I, I think may, maybe, Jim, the, 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 the benefit of that is that the, the, the less expensive the sensors become, the more power that you have at the edge, the lower the power requirements, the ROI of implementing these solutions increases, right, and makes many of these types of solutions, the connecting of different kinds of things, uh, you know, financially viable for a public or private sector organization. You think so? Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. What do, What are you seeing in terms of you know what are some of the the common themes that you're seeing or sort of interesting applications? I've I've been looking at retail and I'm and uh, you know the way we the way we buy a blender today is we go online, we find one in stock at a store that's near us at a good price. Uh, and then we go buy it. But, you know, now that there are parking lot sensors and video analytics that can measure the number of people in line and, and we have traffic sensors in the road now, you know, retail can not only find a blender that's in stock at a good price, but one that has that you know you're going to be able to get in and out of the store quickly because there's available parking spaces and not too many people in line and not too much traffic between you and that store. I think it's, you know, an interesting use case. What what kinds of use cases have you been seeing recently where people are experimenting on some of these things? Oh, I mean, there are just so many, and we've talked about a bunch of them today, I think. Um, there are just so many to mention. You know, something that I'm finding that's really interesting is if you take a, a, a single company, even, um, you know, a manufacturer, you know, of, of, of whatever, whatever kind of a manufacturer, that manufacturer may have in place multiple types of Internet of Things solutions. They may have a fleet solution. They may have um, a building automation energy control system. They may have um, a factory floor automation solution. They may have a security and surveillance solution. There's all of these different solutions that that one company may have. And I think one of the interesting trends I'm actually seeing is the realization that you can create a platform to handle all of those applications, a horizontal platform. And I think there's going to be a lot more focus on the use of these horizontal platforms to 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 manage and control and, and upon which you can build the application layer, upon which you can attach the devices, I, I think that's going to be, um, you know, a, a big trend in the future. I think those, those, those platforms are really important because they allow us to bring different data sources from different systems and different sensors together in ways that all of a sudden, it gives you the ability to see things that you couldn't see. We talked about a little bit with the Garmin app. Yeah. Um, there's we, a, used to, we used to go ahead. Sorry. No, we go used ahead. to talk about that concept of mashup, right? Remember the sort of you, you mash up an application, mm -hmm. various data from different applications. That's what we're going to be doing in this world as well. It's not just going to be personal data, right? It's going to be personal and machine data that we mash up. Um, yeah, I think there, the power of that in, in the business. There's a medical application, a company that's making a nebulizer where when you take the uh, medicine, it registers your location, and you can see that on your iPhone. You can see that you've taken the medicine, and maybe, you know, it shows you a trend of, you know, stay out of this place because it, there's something that's causing you to have an asthma attack. An interesting experiment that was done in Barcelona is they – 
they took that data from the nebulizers and they mashed it up with the data from the shipping database that showed what ships were in, in port unloading along with weather data that showed the direction that the wind was blowing. And they were able to determine that when the ships were unloading soybeans in the harbor and the wind was blowing a certain direction, they could actually see the plume of where people were taking their asthma medicine downwind of where those ships were unloading the soybeans. And it's, it's a great example of one of those mashups where you have all these different pieces of data, which when you bring them together gives you new insight. And now maybe you can proactively text message people that you know are going to be in the plume and tell them to shut their windows for the next two hours so they won't have an asthma attack, for example. Yeah, that's a great example. I mean, I think in anything that touches in healthcare and public safety, public sector um, areas, it's just, just amazing, amazing kinds of solutions. Yeah. Of course, the, the other thing that comes up is when, you know, you start to look at some of these things are the privacy concerns. You know, uh, we're going to have to figure out how we deal with uh, the fact that uh, your new Internet-connected car always know, knows where you are and where you're going and the, the fact that your phone has location services turned on. And what if you're, you're you know, if the, you, know, you don't want that data about your asthma to get into just anyone's hands. So uh, it's a... It's something that we're going to have to work through that's not only security-related, but policy and compliance-related as some of these new technologies come online. I often, whenever I encounter these kinds of issues, I think to myself, okay, would I have more concern about that privacy issue or would my child? I think this trend that we're seeing with Internet of Things connecting of things and people and the internet of everything. These are trends that are going to continue for the next 30 years at least. I, my, my gut tells me that the sort of next generation has less concerns about privacy. Uh, and maybe even I'm getting a little bit more used to having more of my data be out there. And the reason I guess I'm willing to do that is I can see that there's value that comes back to me, whether it's better health care for myself or understanding health care decisions for myself better or whether it's, you know, a more immediate uh, a coupon, right, to, uh, to get a discount sure. on an oil change, right? Yeah, so. I, I agree completely. There has to be, there has to be a value exchange. I, I, I don't mind the airlines tracking my flights because they give me free upgrades. Right. I wouldn't mind it if you're tracking my car, if you – have the ability to realize when it needs an oil change, and then if you know that it's in my work parking lot and it typically stays there all day long and you sent a truck out to change the oil and I didn't have to do anything, I'm, I'm all good with you tracking my car, for example. But at the same time, I want to make sure you don't give that data to anyone else. I want to make sure that you are being responsible with my data. You know, if I thought the bank was using my spending patterns to send information to advertisers, you know, I'd leave that bank immediately. So when I, I think that there's a balance there, and I, I think, honestly, the companies that do the right thing with the data, the companies that bring value back, that protect their customers' privacy, but at the same time use that data to create great new customer experiences, those will be the companies that win in the long term. Agreed. Well, I, I just have one last question for you guys before we wrap up here. And, and we've covered so much. But, Steve, you know, interested to know 
of when, if we were to sit here next year and look back, what will be the one thing that will have moved the dial on IoT um, over the next year? And then how will that impact the overall Internet of Everything story? Oh, Lisa, that's, that's a tough question. The one thing that will impact um, Internet of Things, I think – I think we're going to see a lot of attention being paid to issues around security and standards. I don't know if that's yeah. one thing or two things, but I think we're going to see lots it's of all thinking. The same. Okay, they both start with the letter S. I, I yeah. think I think in the security area we're going to see a lot of focus around um, how can we do security um, in a new way. How can we build concepts of automation into security threat identification, building automation that increases the effectiveness and the efficiencies of security and securing these new Internet of Things solutions. And, and along standards, I think we're going to see uh, standards um, crystallizing a bit around devices, around, um, around some standards and connectivity as well, and I think that will help us a lot. Yeah, I, yeah. I, think, I think standards are important, but and I, I think they're absolutely necessary for us to achieve the value that we're going to get from this. And, it's, of course, security is incredibly important and may actually be something that actually slows us down rather than enables us. I, I think one of the things that may enable this is not necessarily the technology that's happening here, but it's simply the continued awareness by large established businesses that if they don't disrupt themselves, they're going to become disrupted. And those businesses are starting to wake up, and they're looking at the at the Kodaks of the world and the blockbusters of the world and the Amazons of the world and the taxi service that's being replaced by Uber and the hotels that are being threatened by Airbnb. Mm-hmm. And those threats, I think, are actually what's probably going to move us faster because the more established businesses realize they have to reinvent themselves. They have to become a technology company because this is the way that you do that. That's right. And Netflix is a great example of that as well. Um, so thank you so much, you guys. This, you know, we could talk on and on, but I think this was a really, really um, fun conversation, and we look forward to putting you two together again for additional conversations. So thank you for sharing your insights today, and for more on the future of IT, join the conversation at hashtag future of IT.